0: Tell me about the part of you that said, I know I can do this. I think that it's a much quieter voice and it's just sort of, it's a vibration, I would say. It's like very tied to my core identity.
1: This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 286. This is the
0: Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen A no BS guide to self help and badassery. Because, ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen.
1: Ass kickers, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am especially pumped for today's episode because it is the first time I am coaching someone here on the podcast. I have been thinking about doing this for so long and the day has finally arrived and I cannot wait to get into it, tell you a little bit more about this coaching session that I had with a woman named Rachel. But before I do that, I have to tell you about something that happened yesterday. Oh my gosh. So I told you last week that I would probably have my new mic set up I don't have it set up yet. I will soon, and I will post pictures in my Patreon group for those of you that are in there so you can see a little bit behind the scenes. And this week has been crazy because it's the last week of school, and those of you that have kids, you probably understand that it's just madness. It's like the holidays. There's so many things going on, so many balls in the air. And Monday, I had my daughter's... At our school, they call it celebration of success. So it's the kids that made honor roll or got some kind of other award or perfect attendance and those types of things. Hers was on Monday and it was at 1230. Then for my son, so she's in third grade. My son's in fifth grade. And every quarter this year, every quarter he's made honor roll. And it's always been at 1230. His celebration of success for the fifth graders has always been at 1230. So that was stuck in my head that it was 1230. And the teachers are nice enough to send like 17 emails reminding us of everything that's going on this week. And it's more than usual, the things that are going on this week. So yesterday was my son's celebration of success. It's his last one in elementary school. He's made honor roll every quarter this year. I'm so proud of him. And also he was getting another award for bringing up a grade because he, one of his grades has had dropped and I just, it's fifth grade. I mean, it's, it's the last time he's in elementary school. He's my oldest. It's kind of a big deal for, he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I think this whole thing is so dumb. And he didn't even want to go to the ceremony. I'm like, oh God, just please humor me. It's for the parents. (laughs) See them me. So yesterday I I even volunteered to drop off some stuff for their picnic that they were having in the morning, dropped off my cooler with waters in it and they borrowed our pop-up shade thing. I dropped that off in the morning and take my happy ass back to school at about 1220. And I can't find them. I think they're in the multipurpose room or the gym and there was like something else going on in there. And I'm like, well, maybe they're on the the playground, but it was like kindergarten recess. I'm like, that's weird. So I go up to the front of the school and I open the door and I see my son's science teacher and I'm like, Hey, where is everybody for celebration of success? And he goes, it was at 10 this morning. And I was like, what? (laughs) I missed it. I totally missed it and like I felt the color just drain from my body and immediately my inner critic was like maybe if you paid attention more this wouldn't happen maybe if you didn't have so many moving parts going on in your life you would have got this right and I j- I just had one of those like worst mom in the world feelings and also just sad I know I'm not the worst mom in the world and it and it does help a little bit that my son honestly doesn't care but I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there for him and and just to see it and to take pictures and, and with his teacher and all of that stuff. So I missed it. And I had a good cry afterwards with my dog. And but I made it through. I made it through. And luckily I have good friends and I have great tools. And so that was that. Womp womp. But anyway, I asked on Facebook that day, please tell me the stories of how you've screwed up as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> hence me bringing this to you, because I know that there's probably many parents out there who have made mistakes like that and felt terrible afterwards, right? Okay, so let's get into this particular episode. I am so excited to bring this to you, and I want to actually preface it by saying this. Life coaching is It's an interesting industry. It's been around since the 90s. I found out about it in the early 2000s and it was still a very new profession, very new career. And I started my training in 2007. Still not a lot of people knew. I mean, it was still kind of, I think a little bit, I don't know what the word is, just kind of like a quirky thing to do. It's like, what? What do you do? And I think now in 2019, people generally have a better understanding of what it is. It's not weird anymore as much as it used to be. A lot of companies are hiring corporate and executive coaches to help them with their employees in terms of, I mean, really even their bottom line because that's what they care the most about. But just overall health, mental health, emotional health of their people. And so I'm happy to know that it's not a weird thing anymore. And let me say this, true life coaching, there's a very big difference between, well, maybe not a very big difference, but a a distinct difference between consulting, life coaching, and therapy. So very generally speaking, therapy is works on your past it can help you with trauma it focuses on why you are where you are connecting the dots of our past of our habits and life coaching is different in that we might dip our toe a little bit into your past but we're more we're more thinking about okay so you're here where is it that you want to go how do we get there? What are the things that are in your way? And sometimes that has to do with your past. But what can we do? We can what can the client do to get there? Again, I'm I'm giving you like super crash course in this. And true life coaching asks a lot of questions. The client is speaking more than the coach. They ask a lot, a lot of, we call them powerful questions, so the client can find their own way. So we act more as a guide, just asking the right questions, maybe showing them different perspectives, things like that. But A number one, we don't give advice. We don't give our opinion. (laughs) And that's typically what traditional life coaching is. And I think that's a big misconception because people are like, well, I'm good at giving advice. I could be a life coach. I'm like, honey, that's not what life coaching is. Or some people say, you know, if we're talking about advice, that's consulting. Like if you're telling someone what to do, that's what consulting is. So which brings me to this episode and brings me to how I coach. One of the things that I love about the Coaches Training Institute, which is my alma mater, the the people that first trained me. At the very, very end of our training, they gave us permission and said, you figure out what your sort of brand of coaching is. And I don't mean branding from like a marketing standpoint. I mean a brand. I mean your flavor. How do you coach best? How do you work with people best? And for a while, I was sort of going in that direction and then feeling like I was doing it wrong because people were coming to me and saying, I want you to not only point out my blind spots, but tell me which direction to go. Tell me what you see So that I can live my best life, live my most kick-ass life. So as all these years have passed, fast forward, and now I've been doing this for 12 years, what I do really isn't life coaching. It's sort of a mix between, I would say, maybe like 15 to 20% traditional life coaching, and the rest of it is a mix of consulting, advising, I just get really curious, and because I've been doing this work for so long and with the same type of woman, I see patterns over and over and over again so that I can better help them I encourage my clients, like, tell me where I'm wrong, but here's the, like, the intuitional hit that I'm getting, here's the pattern that I'm seeing, here's a blind spot that you might have that you might not even see is going on. What do you think? I always try to remember to ask the question, like, what do you think? Because I don't have all the answers. I certainly don't. I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of tenure in this, but I certainly don't have all of the answers. So I really do try to put it on the client, but typically, The clients that I get, they've been following me for long enough and they know what I will help them with is I will ask the right questions, point out some things that might be going on that they don't realize are happening and light a motherfucking fire under their ass to get shit done. That is a huge part of life coaching is the accountability. And that is what my one-on-one clients get from me. I always say, You get me in your back pocket. You get me in your back pocket, not just when we're on Zoom together, when we're on the phone together, but in between. Like That's where the real magic happens is them celebrating with me, asking me questions, having me help them set up a conversation that they need to have, crying about something if they need to, if something hard or difficult happened at work, all of those things, which is funny because it's one of the reasons I've hesitated to bring people on the podcast because I'm like, I'm not actually coaching them. I have some colleagues that do that on their podcasts and I've listened to a few episodes and I'm like, that's that's coaching for the most part. But I don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I am, this lead up is probably way longer than it needed to be. And I just, I wanted to preface that for people who are thinking about going into life coaching or wondering what life coaching is. I felt like I needed to say that ahead of time. I'm happy that I have found my way of doing things that i know is helpful for my clients and so there it is. All right, let me tell you a little bit about this particular episode. I don't really need to give you a whole lot of prefacing it now that i now that i say that out loud. What we'll do is is Rachel's on and she talks about what the issue is, and then we work through it. And at the very end of this episode, I will give you an update because we talked about a week and a half ago, and she emailed me a few days ago and gave me an update. So I'm so excited to bring this to you. Rachel is someone, uh, the person that I wanted to kick it off, she is someone who's taken some of my group programs. Actually, it's been a few years, and I reached out to her when I was on my book tour in New York City. I needed someone to watch my son for a day and take him to museums as I was I was um, hosting a workshop there. And I reached out to Rachel and she hung out with my son and, and took him to a tank museum or something like that. So I had the pleasure of meeting her in person. And she was the person I reached out to. I'm like, hey, you want to be the very first on here? Because I knew some stuff was going on with her career. And I cannot wait to share it with you. So without further ado, here is the coaching session with Rachel. Miss Rachel, thank you for being our very first person to come on the air. Ah,
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting.
1: I will just tell the audience that I just, I've been thinking about doing this for a couple of years and kind of hemmed and hawed about it and not sure how I want it to look. And I knew the first person that I had on, I'm like, it's probably would be best if it was somebody that I knew. And I do know you in person when I went out for my book tour January of eighteen, when it was frigid, freezing cold, you helped me and hung out with my son for a little bit while I hosted a workshop. So that's how we know each other. And how? Here's how I would I
0: would like to do this. Like first, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Okay. So my name is Rachel. I live on sort of the New Jersey New York border. I, I wear several hats. I work as a. I'm a writer. I'm a playwright and sort of budding screenwriter. And I also work in production design and art direction for films. So I design uh, from basically talk to bottom, design and dress uh, sets for films. So anything having to do with the environment of the film. I'm also a Teaching artists for a couple theater companies. So I do in class workshops and after school workshops for mostly high school students. Okay, fun.
1: Yeah. And so, what I would love for us to do, and typically during a coaching session, the coach would gather some information like, what is the topic that you want to focus on? And the way that I do, the way I like to do things is that, and, and I'm telling the audience this. <laughs> I know. Ask those questions ahead of time for a couple of reasons. Because as a coach, one thing that you don't want to have happen is a client to come to the session and they don't know exactly what it is they want to work on. And so you spend the first 15 minutes trying to figure that out. And it can be like hurting cats. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's a waste of everybody's time. And then everyone feels pressure and it's no good. So, one of the habits that I've gotten in as a coach is to send people this questionnaire ahead of time. And so I did that for you and there's a few questions and I'm going to just have you read what you wrote and that way the audience can get familiar with where you're feeling stuck, what you've already done to try to figure this problem out yourself, as well as what you Mm -hmm. want from this session. So we'll go question by question. So the first question that I asked you is what are you facing right now that needs your immediate focus or
0: resolution? Yeah. So I said, I'm experiencing some advances in my career and they're feeling difficult to handle mostly because I've had a hard time owning my power. For so long, I talked shit to myself, accepted less than I deserved and allowed myself to fall into careers and life choices that weren't fulfilling. For the first time in a while, I feel like I'm finally coming into my own. I've recently transitioned into working in film. I worked in theater for most of my life and I'm moving up the ladder more quickly than I thought I would. I've discovered that I'm quite a good production designer. It just comes naturally to me. I've been a visual artist my whole life, as well as a playwright, and production design and art direction happened very organically. I finished the first draft of a full-length play, had a web episode chosen for production, designed several film sets, worked for a network TV show, and worked as a teaching artist and educator for prominent off broadway theater companies. I remember years ago when I didn't have any of this. These little successes happened slowly, but recently there's been a huge leap forward. I'm moving ahead faster than I can emotionally handle. And I feel like I'm still self-sabotaging and comparing myself to others. Basically, the cycle goes like this. I feel like shit and believe I can't accomplish a goal. So I work and talk my way through it and accomplish the goal or career advance. I feel good for a little while. And then I immediately tell myself it was a fluke. It won't happen again. I didn't deserve it. I'm not doing uh, XYZ. Look at that person over there who is doing XYZ. Uh, or doing something better than I am basically. It's like no matter how far along I get, I can't help comparing myself to others. I ask myself, who am I to be a playwright slash screenwriter and production designer and teaching artist educator? I'm afraid that if I attempt to live up to my potential in all three of these areas, I'll fall on my face or not be taken seriously. I work in an industry that is fickle and hard and leaves the door wide open for comparison. But it's an industry I love and I cannot imagine my life without it. So ultimately, I want to write and direct my own film, create and sell my own theater and visual art curriculum while I continue to freelance in the film, TV and theater worlds. I know I can do this, but my inner critic is yelling in my ear not to do it. She's gotten trickier, too. She's gone from you can't do it because you're not good enough to you can't do it because it's going to feel too big and you can't handle that. And actually, maybe, yeah, you are not good enough. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've done what I need to do to advance, but I haven't healed the part of myself that thought I didn't deserve it in the first place.
1: Okay. I guess, I'm assuming that there are... The, and, well, and I just, I first of all, I love how how concise you are and how well you know yourself. And I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to that. It's like you read the books, you listen to the podcasts, you're self-aware enough to know what's standing in your way. And I Mm -hmm. love that you're super clear that that very last sentence has jumped out at me. I feel like I've done what I need to do to advance, but haven't healed the part of myself that thought I never deserved it in the first place. So that's Mm -hmm. key. So we're going to circle back to that. And the next question was, have you tried to solve this problem before? If so, how? So tell us how you answered that.
0: Yes, Basically, by reading the chapters in in your books, (laughs) listening to podcasts on the topics of imposter complex, comparison, self-sabotaging, etc., talked my way through exercises, I'll feel better for a little while, and then I fall right back into it. And I almost feel like it was just easier living a life that wasn't fulfilling, jogging along while listening to the podcast and thinking, yeah, maybe someday I'll get there. And now I'm here and have made progress in areas I never thought I would, and it's difficult to live with. So I've done the exercises, I've done all of it. And now it's kind of, I've sort of reached back to the, where I was before.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And just a couple more short questions. Then I ask, what do you want to focus on during our session? And you said, what?
0: I'd like to uncover why I'm having such a hard time moving past comparison, self-sabotage, imposter syndrome. I'm afraid of things working out and I don't know why. How, I can, how can I own my power and allow myself to be as big as I need to be?
1: And then I ask the very last question, what do you think the best thing is that you can walk away with from our time together? Like, What are you, what are you hoping to get?
0: A deeper understanding as to why I'm having trouble moving through this and handling success tools and exercises that I can use to allow myself to work towards and honor my full potential.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And for any coaches
1: out there listening, like, feel free to use that questionnaire. I think it's so helpful for both the coach and the client to get really clear. And the session can really go anywhere. Get, and I was telling Rachel before we started recording, as a coach, I'm someone who hears my client say something. And then I have like three different questions that pop up into my head and I just grab one. And so like, okay, whichever one we're going to go. So the conversation really could go in any direction, but I love how clear you are in that this is really about you having a deeper understanding about your patterns really. And then also not just that, because sometimes it can be really frustrating. Like, you know Mm -hmm. why you're holding yourself back and like, you can see the pattern, but then you don't know Mm -hmm. how to move forward with it.
0: Or you do move mm-hmm. forward, but
1: it still feels shitty as you're moving forward. And that's what you're trying to get help with. Is that fair to say?
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay.
1: All right. And and audience, please forgive me if you can hear like my paper shuffling because I have notes that I wrote down. I highlighted and wrote notes. And honestly, at the end of the day, this is just one big upper limit problem. Are you familiar with the term?
0: Um a little bit, yes.
1: Do you listen to my podcast, Rachel, or not? I do. <laughs> It's fine. No, I'm but your upper
0: limit, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, and for those of you that haven't read the book, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. And it it is a short book in and of itself. And so, Gay Hendricks wrote this book called The Big Leap. And in it, he talks about a couple of different concepts that he has coined and he talks about your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. And really what stood Mm. out to me is when when he talks about this thing that he calls the upper limit problem. And he says that we all have this set point of the amount of success and the amount of happiness that we can handle. Mm. And when we reach that, Then we start to self-sabotage. Our inner critic comes in because it's anything beyond that is vastly out of our comfort zone. So -hmm. we stay where we are. So many times Mm -hmm. you see people do this in relationships when they get into a a happy, healthy relationship. They'll pick Mm -hmm. fights. They'll cheat. They'll do things like that or even people that with money, this happens with money for, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but this is one big upper limit problem. And yeah. it really, I think that might be helpful even for you just to know that that's happening. What do you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think hearing it after, I think after reading what it was that I wrote and sort of allowing that to sort of refresh in my mind and then hearing you say set point of success that we can handle, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful because you just. Otherwise, you just hear people saying, oh, why Why not? Just keep going for it. Just keep going for it. And then I think that there's something wrong with me. And then I, you know, my inner critic starts to say, oh, you're ungrateful. You should be grateful for having these opportunities. And so then realizing that there actually is something out there that I can, I can name and, and really visualize in my head. Yeah. Almost like a ceiling that I can't get through or something.
1: Exactly. It's a thing. And, and the other thing that I was thinking of when I was, when I was reading what you wrote and what you're really struggling with, there's two parts in, when you're talking about the problem, the quote unquote problem. You say, I'm going to quote you, you say, I'm moving ahead faster than I can emotionally handle. And then in the last chapter, you said, you said, it's, um, I feel like it's going to be too big. This is what your inner critic says. You can't do it because it's going to be too big and you can't handle that. So that is for sure inner critic. And I have a couple of, see, this is where my thought bubbles come up. And one might point out to you that that's a belief. Like we tend to do this. Like we get so set and absolute in our beliefs. And, you know, when you said like, I'm moving ahead faster than I can emotionally handle. Like that's what I want to question and challenge. Like, can you really, Mm -hmm. is is it a hard and fast line that you cannot emotionally handle that?
0: I think that's a great question. I think it's very easy for me to think in such absolutes like that, very black and white, either I can handle this or I can't handle this. Or my initial gut reaction is, yeah, I can't handle it.
1: So my next question is like, what happens? Like, what does it look like to not be able to handle it? Do you like spontaneously combust over there? Like what, what happens?
0: (laughs) At my computer, I just blow up. Right. Um, (laughs) Just fire everywhere. No, I think it's, I feel it in my body very much. Or okay. for some reason, my, I feel it in my arms. My arms mm-hmm. get really warm. My face gets really warm. My heart starts to pound. I sort of, you know, getting, getting gigs or hearing good feedback about my work or my writing will be okay up to a point. And then it just feels overwhelming. And then things just start to spiral from there.
1: It's interesting to me that you have a physiological reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that you can name that feeling? So you said overwhelmed. Is there anything else?
0: Hmm. Overwhelmed, kind of overstimulated in a way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed, overstimulated, pressured. Actually, yeah. Yeah, pressured. I think from that point, that's true. Yeah, there's there's a feeling of pressure that starts to come in. And this, yeah.
1: Okay. So Brene Brown talks about, um, and for those of you that don't know, I'm I'm certified in her work around connection and courage and shame and authenticity. And she talks about, when she talks about shame and vulnerability, she says, shame and vulnerability are full contact emotions. And what she means by that is we have full physiological reactions going back to the caveman days where we needed that Mm -hmm. in order to survive. And now in 2019, we don't, You know, you stepping into, you know, a bigger career and these, these um, jobs that are a little bit more advanced, you don't need, it's not a saber tooth tiger coming after you, but our brains Mm -hmm. really don't know the difference. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fear. Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: scary and it's vulnerable. And so I wonder if some of that is happening. What do you think?
0: Yes, definitely fear. It's Mm -hmm. sort of, and it's interesting that you say saber tooth tiger because I visualize it as being something so large and so huge and sort of coming down on me. And I have to, yeah, it's very Mm -hmm. scary. So, and I don't know if that's because of what I've made it mean in my own mind, what I've built that up to be. And so it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of this feeling of, okay, it's too much. It's too much. I'm going to freeze and sort of just sit here or I'm going to, Run, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never really thought of it. That way. Yeah, or I'm going to run and not take that director up on this reading, or yeah, send this script to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you know, people who a friend of mine who's a director, you know, has been asking. okay, oh, yeah, let me send you know, send me your draft, send me your draft. Or um, somebody wanted to do a reading of something, and the one director I just didn't respond. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you know, someone else. I kept thinking, oh well, you know, once I get more revisions done, once I do this, then I can. Once I do this. And so sort of just running basically. Yeah. And then and then my thoughts start to come in of it sort of goes back and forth between, yeah, you can't do it because it's going to be too much. You're not gonna be able to to it's not, you know, you're not ready, it's not ready, don't worry about it, don't do it. This is and then I guess yeah, that's where that upper limit thing comes in.
1: You're yeah, this is going too fast, more than I can emotionally handle, like all of those beliefs come in.
0: Yeah. So then, yeah, that's true. The, the tiger and kind of running away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so
1: uh, here's,
0: here's yeah, another exactly. tool that might help
1: you. Well, we all do this, right? Because yeah, let me tell you yeah. something too about the inner critic. And yeah. I say this all the time about the inner critic. It's doing its job. Like it has, it has literally one job and that is yeah. to keep you in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And every time we move up a little bit and we, and we create a new little comfort zone and then the inner critic settles in there and he's like, all right, I've made my home here. And then as soon as you get new opportunities Mm -hmm. and new offers Mm -hmm. and, and the inner critic is like, fuck, no, we're not going (laughs) to do that. So that's when all of those thoughts come in. You know, this is faster than I can emotionally handle. I might fail. It's too big. Maybe you actually are not good enough. So the inner critic's actually doing its job, like A plus for that voice. Yeah. And the trick is to know that it's happening, which I think that you do. And here's what I talk about when I'm teaching about the inner critic. The win is not to completely eradicate that part of you, that fear in you. It is to close the gap. So in other words – that you recognize that voice so quickly when you get an mm-hmm. email from a director making an mm-hmm. offer to you and you mm-hmm. hear that voice saying like this is too big i'm not going to be able to handle this what if i screw the whole thing up yeah then yeah. you recognize that like i would do cartwheels if you recognize that within like the first 30 seconds to a
0: minute <laughs> oh man okay
1: how long does it usually take for you to recognize that your inner critic is driving the bus
0: much faster than it used to i will mm-hmm. say um, it's, that's something I've had to, to really, really practice. There was a point in time where I probably couldn't have even have done any of this. And so it's just, it's like, she's getting smarter, <laughs> yeah. but I would say probably five minutes, maybe if okay. that's more. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's getting there. And then, you know, sometimes it'll last for half a day and then I'll remember and then it'll happen again. And then I'll remember or it sort of just continues to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So here's, I, I want to address something too, that you said that I, I don't want to completely skip over. And you said, I feel like I've done what I need to do to advance, but I haven't healed the part of myself that I thought never, I never deserved it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So this, and, and again, I don't want to completely bypass this, but I, there's a different direction that I would kind of like us to go to. And I'm breaking all the rules of coaching because coaches never <laughs> <have agendas. laughs> but I know you that we don't have agendas. Like I'm, I'm never supposed to like lead the witness. But I think that part of me wants to ask you, was there somebody who told you that you could never do this? Is it like all on you? and Or is there trauma that needs to be healed? For So for anyone listening, if that is you, I do think that that is something to reckon with. I think yeah. that a lot of people do have, you know, maybe it's from your family of origin. I think for many women, it is cultural that we mm. are raised in a culture that, tells us that we need to do more, that we can't do it, that we're not as good as so-and-so, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to kind of like put that in your back pocket for a second. Mm -hmm. If that's okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally okay. okay. It's in there. And I want to give you, because I want to give you another exercise. and. This is something I teach in my um, my deeper group program, and it does come from The Daring Way from Brene Brown's research. And it's about our ideal and unwanted identity. So I'm gonna explain it first. So mm-hmm. everyone has, I think I talked about this in my second book too everyone has identities in every area of their life where they would love to be perceived by other people. Like this is the Mm -hmm. absolute best way I would love to be seen by other people. Mm -hmm. And the worst way you would never want to be seen by other people and judged this way. So Mm -hmm. in terms of your career, can you name the ways that you would never want to be perceived by other people? Like if you heard people talking about you and it was terrible. What What would be the worst thing that
0: you could hear? Oh wow! Oh, she is unoriginal. Not very good. Not actually a very good writer at all. Mm-hmm. Very. Um, her writing is not believable. It's not grounded. It's not. You know, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, these characters aren't going anywhere, and it doesn't make sense. and It's not realistic. Or there's already a ton of stuff like this on TV already or on the stage already. And she's crazy to think that this is actually going to go anywhere or, um, she's only taking like, look at these jobs that she's done. It's really not that fancy. And she thinks Mm -hmm. she's so great. And she thinks she's so this and talentless and kind of a hack and sort of somebody who thinks she's great, but isn't. I think it's like what it all wraps up to. Like, if I really think about all of it and then I put it in a box, it's like somebody who thinks she's super talented, but she isn't. And none of us have the heart to tell her that she's really not that good.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing all of that. That was, I'm sure, really, really vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. But if I'm being honest, yeah, that's, that's, that's it.
1: (laughs) So, what, here's what happens is that whether you know them or not, and it sounds like, it wasn't something that was like on the tip of your tongue or the forefront of your brain. Mm -hmm. Like you had to kind of look for it, Mm -hmm. but you knew Mm it. What is typical for people is that we all have these (laughs) in every area of your life. If in your, um, in your, romantic relationships, in your friendships, Mm -hmm. in your career, if you're a parent, um, body and appearance is a big one for women. So we have these unwanted identities and whether you know them or not, whether you're conscious of them or not, Mm -hmm. they are running your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's an important exercise to do. And this is one that I would love for you to sit down with and, and look at, because we have, we all have these unwanted identities and, the thing that happens is that sometimes like we don't actually know that they're running the show. So that's your inner critic that is latching onto that and is so afraid of that actually happening. So in order for that never to happen, in order for no one to ever think those things or say those things about you, it's easier to play small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then you are a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. So that's one exercise and tool I would I would like for you to do, spend a little bit more time on is to look at those unwanted identities and also ask yourself the question, where did those come from?
0: Mm-hmm. Did
1: something happen where and and I would love to I'm actually curious about that. Did something happen? Like have you ever been called that before?
0: I actually so as soon as I left undergrad, I I sort of in the in my undergrad program, I was I was doing really well. I was kind of I went to a small school, and so you know, I was doing really well, doing really well in the theater department there. I was doing really well in the writing department there, and then I left, and the reality okay. of the world as an oh, artist wow. kind of smacked me in the face, and I got rejection after rejection, and you know, there was one with feedback, and this one. We- you know, where reviewer was like, This is this play is going nowhere. This is ridiculous. And then others were saying, Oh, this is great. I love it. And so, um, and then hearing other, you know, people too in my, you know, in workshops and stuff like that, people can be, you know, when you're sitting around the table in a writer's group, yeah. And they share horror stories and they talk about, you know, this happened to me and this happened yeah. to me. And then you literally hear people commenting on your writing in front of you and saying, I don't, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so, Instead of and I sort of grab onto those comments instead of the ones that are talking about how powerful it is or how much they're enjoying it, and so it's like I'm gathering all of this this evidence, and that's what I'm hanging on to. Mm-hmm. Your inner critic is sometimes
1: it's helpful to decipher between the two, because I want to, I want to point out something else too, that you said your inner critic is the one that, and, and like truth be told as humans, our brains have a negativity bias. We do. It sucks. I wish it wasn't the case. I had Sasha Hines on my podcast and she's, um, she's her PhD in positive psychology. And she talks about this sometimes and how, and I don't know what it's for. It must be just to keep us safe. Again, back to like the saber tooth tiger days. But we have a negativity bias. And the, the mm-hmm. help in that can be to know that it's happening, to know when you're latching on to these horror stories about rejection and the worst that could happen. And a couple of things that jumped out at me. You said, I'm afraid that if I attempt to live up to my potential in all three of these areas, you're talking about playwright, screenwriter, and production manager, and teaching artist educator, you said, I'll fall on my face or not be taken seriously. Here's the thing, Rachel. I can almost guarantee that that's going to happen. Like you will somewhere along the way in your career fall on your face and some dick is going to not take you seriously. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. And I feel like there's times where that's happened. Already, like mm-hmm. you know, designing a set and it doesn't it doesn't look great. Or you know, there's a couple there's a couple areas where I, I think back. Oh man, I wish I had changed that. And the director is mad, and then they get angry. And there's so much time constraint and all of that. And then and again, yeah. so tell me
1: about that time. Like when the when the director was angry and there was a time constraint. Like what ended up happening? Like what was worst case scenario? True worst case scenario then.
0: Uh, true worst case worst case scenario we the shot gets screwed up and, okay, and then we're why? running out of time and then they're really pissed off and then it messes up their footage and it doesn't look great. And then it's more work for them to have to edit it and adjust the color. And then they're irritated with me mm-hmm. and then they, I end up getting bad reputation. And then my name is on something that doesn't look great, which talking that out is kind of... <laughs>
1: Did that really happen or is that like what could happen?
0: That's what could happen.
1: That's not what could happen. happen. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It didn't really happen. But like the first part did.
0: The first part did. Yeah. There was a time when, yeah, very irritated and I, well, and then also too, just embarrassed in front of other people because looking at it and there's a ton of people looking at it and everyone, you know, realizes oh, that actually doesn't look, this one design you did doesn't look great. And now we have to all fix it. And then, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: I'm going to stop you because you said, and here's one thing I teach too is, and I think that this is important and it's not just semantics. So you said that you were embarrassed. Mm. I would venture to say that that was beyond embarrassment and that you were
0: ashamed. Is that Mm. fair? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. I think it's important for people to know that because embarrassment is, embarrassment is fleeting. Embarrassment also feels like you know, you're not the only one. Like an example might be like, if you sneeze and fart at the same time, it's like, that's <laughs> embarrassing. Like nobody wants to do that, but it's like, it's a human thing. Or like right. you walk out of the bathroom with toilet paper on your shoe at a restaurant. And, and it's, it's one of those things that like, maybe not in the moment you'll laugh, but you will eventually laugh. But what you described is one of your unwanted identities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And inevitably because we are all human, we fall into those unwanted identities that we have, then our, then we feel shame and then our inner critic goes crazy. And again, this is a human experience. Like I'm not gonna give you tools to avoid that because that would look like perfectionism. Mm, ugh, yeah. And that's what I thought. <laughs>
0: Talking about that, I was like, damn it, I know she's going to mention
1: perfectionism. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I want you to avoid because if you truly were going to go after all of those things mm-hmm. that you mentioned, you will fall into one of those unwanted identities. You will make mistakes. You will be perceived as X, Y, and Z by somebody mm-hmm. because that's what happens. So the trick is to become resilient. And that's why before we were talking, you mentioned that you have a best friend. Is she someone who is supportive, like that you could have that day um, on set and then go home and tell her oh about what God, happened? Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she would show up for you like, and not try to fix it or tell you like it wasn't
0: that bad or something like that? Yeah, she'd definitely show up. And I think too, if it was the point where I felt like, what I didn't need at that time was advice. We have a relationship that I would be able to say, I just need you to listen right now. And she totally would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And I hope everybody
1: listening, if you don't have your person, that'll be a whole nother podcast episode. But that's what resilience looks like. It's it's having compassion for yourself, mm-hmm. knowing you're mm-hmm. not the only one that screws up. And in the moment, it's going to feel like shit. I'm not going to lie. It feels like shit to be have that feeling in front of everybody and you go home and you want to just like put your face in a pint of ice cream or whatever it is that you do, it, it totally happens. And, and here I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. So just to kind of recap, Mm -hmm. I want you to work on really getting clear on what your unwanted identities are with your career for sure. Because here's, here's what happens you know, when I teach the program where we really dive into this mm. is that they start walking around the world and when they drop into that place of feeling a little ashamed, feeling rejected, feeling alone, they realize what their trigger was. They realize that they're afraid of falling into one of their unwanted identities or that they've actually fallen into it. And that's helpful because you can put the pieces together, mm-hmm. again, like massive mm-hmm. self-awareness, and then you can practice resilience, which is what I just talked about. Okay. So that's just kind of a recap. And I want I want to point out this one thing. I cannot get off the phone with you without pointing out this one thing that you said. So I'm going to read back to you your own words about what needs your immediate focus. So you said, I ultimately want to write and direct my own film and create and sell my own theater visual art curriculum while I continue to freelance in the film, TV, theater world. The next sentence, and it is a mere six (laughs) words. Rachel says, I know I can do this, period. Followed up with, but, and I was like, I would like highlighted that it's like 17 times. Here's the thing that I see so many times when I'm having conversations with women like this, they'll talk about the problem and they're super clear. Like my inner critic is all over this shit. And then it's just like a quick sentence, like a, like they're saying it just like they're telling me their name but I know I'm actually good at this, but I, I know I can do this. And then they're on to the next, but, or I'm like,
0: okay, what? Tell me about the part of you that said, I know I can do this. I think that it's a much quieter voice and it's just sort of, it's a vibration. I would say it's like very tied to my core identity. I've always been very creative. I've always been really imaginative ever since I was a kid, I've always been creating and designing and telling stories. And I had no problem doing that when I was younger. It just, it was always something that sort of happened very naturally for me and very organically. And I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say took it for granted. I think I took the freedom that I used to have with it for granted. And I think just trusting what is already naturally in me is, something that I have to mm-hmm. start doing. Where do you feel that in your body, that vibration? Where does it start? In my stomach and in my chest, I would say. Okay. It's sort of just mm-hmm. this, this rumbling that just mm-hmm. feels, yeah, it's just it just feels very much there. <laughs> yeah. And it's and when I look back, I think, like, man, I did this all the time. It's just who I am. It's like, yeah, what do you mean
1: you did it all the time? Like was it you felt it more as a child
0: or you took action on
1: it more before?
0: I think i I took action on it more before, and even as a I mean, like as a child, I just did it without even thinking. I was just what do you think
1: yeah. was different then that made you take action on it more than now?
0: I didn't care what people mm-hmm. thought. I think i I did it just for the sake of doing it. And I didn't mm-hmm. tie it into my career. Although it's what I want to do for my career. It's just a lot. I-, I stopped allowing it to be, I-, I wasn't putting pressure on myself. Okay. I think. Yeah.
1: Do you have, like, do you call that anything or could you call it something? The pressure? No, the vibration that you feel inside of you.
0: Um.
1: No, but I could think about it. That's part of your homework too, is to name that part of you because from where I'm sitting, that is your essence. That is your true core. Mm -hmm. That is your soul and your spirit speaking to you. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it's just saying, keep going, keep going. Come on, keep going. Like you, and there's times when that gets louder and I can feel it, but I need to know it's usually in conjunction with positive reviews or positive feedback with my work. It's not. And I think that's, it's so tied to that. And it's so tied to approval and something external instead of allowing that. to. What do you think
1: if she could tell you something today about what you wrote to me about this conversation that we're having about your projects, about really anything, is there anything that she, that you feel that she wants to tell you?
0: I'm trying for some reason that just came to my mind. I'm pushing and I'm trying if you would just please let me out. Mm-hmm. If you would just let me have a chance to run, to drive the bus <laughs> or just, yeah. just give me a chance and just let me out and just be uninhibited and just see what happens. Like, just give me a chance. I promise I'm not going to let you down.
1: Girl, you're going to make me cry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <it's kind> of, <laughs> Yeah. It's just sort of the, like, I am here. Just mm-hmm. Come on. You're going to do it. We're going to do this together. Like I was put in you when you were tiny and yeah. we used to have a really great time together. And then I just want to run around <laughs> mm-hmm. all of that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you're going to make, now I'm going to cry because you're crying and I'm going to cry. <laughs>
1: That's okay. And I invite, I invite that very much. So I, I'm, feeling like there is some kind of exercise for you to do when we get off the phone and in conjunction with this part of you. So you're already going to figure out what her name is because I think she's already named. She just needs to tell you. Mm. And then do you have any kind of, I like, do you go to any parks or meditate or do something where you can slow down and tap into more of that?
0: I do have parks. I actually have not been meditating. It's always something I've wanted to try. And then I feel like. How does she (laughs) like to be, how does she like to be talked to?
1: Like, is there any messages that you're getting that would help you tap into that?
0: I think she just wants, she just likes quiet sometimes and just Mm -hmm. breathing, breathing her out in a way. Okay. Yeah. Mindlessly drawing for the without any kind of agenda, just sort of sketching. Sometimes running is helpful because it's very mm-hmm. powerful. It just it feels it makes me feel very strong. And she kind of hops around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I love yeah, that it's just sort of like Ooh.
1: it sounds very free spirited. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very free spirited. And the water for some reason is just coming to mind like feet in the water, feet in the Okay. The ocean.
1: Yeah, I mean, God. Even if you do it in the bathtub, like I'm just like, do whatever you need to do. I have a very strong feeling that that is going to be a major key in you busting through this upper limit. Mm.
0: Okay. Getting connect reconnected. But yeah, yeah. Getting
1: connect reconnecting with her with that energy because that is truly who you are. Mm. And I have met you in person and I know that your energy is palpable wow, and it is about unlocking that. And so my invitation to you is I'll give you a few suggestions Is you can go to the water if that's mm-hmm. applicable, even just have quiet time in your apartment where you light a candle and I invite you to put your hand or hands on the part of your body where you feel her the most in Stomach and in your chest, and just close your eyes. I mean, that's what meditation can absolutely look like. If you want to put on some music, whatever music, but it's about tapping into the essence and just creating the time and space mm-hmm. for it, because your inner critic has gotten really comfortable coming into any environment. Like it doesn't matter if there's loud music, if you're on the subway, like if you're in the tech, like anywhere it feels comfortable. And this voice, like, that's what I want. I want you to have like a, um, many years ago, we used to have speed dial before. So I guess it's, there's some cell phones, like she's in your favorites yeah. on your phone. <laughs>
0: she, yeah, Like she
1: that is. connection Quick connection to that, and I want this to be part of your toolbox. So, just to kind of recap, like your best friend is in your toolbox, like she's the person that when you have a shit day, or your inner critic is really getting the best of you, or if you're afraid to, you know, accept an offer or what, or pitch somebody, she's the person that you go to, as well as self compassion, which we can talk about that next time, and also tapping into this because th- that is the part of you that wrote that sentence. I know I can do this. Yeah, you're right. You said, I know I can
0: do this. I think it. It's. In- I never really allow myself to just take time. It, it wouldn't have occurred to me to just take time to let her come out. I've always just been trying to yeah. squash the negative and push that all aside and push that down and just be aware and be like, Oh, now I know my inner critic is talking. I'm going to acknowledge it and say, thank Mm -hmm. you. And then put it away. And like, thank you, but no, thank you or something. And, but then it's sort of like, well, what's left. And I have, I definitely have something to chew on there for sure. And I never, I, I, yeah, I think you do. Yeah. Just focusing, allowing myself to focus on that sentence. I know I can do this instead of all of the others. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All of the other
1: words, and and just a, cu- a couple of things I wanted to to mention about what we've talked about is that the whole fear because you did say something one more thing that I that I hadn't mentioned yet. You said you said how can I own my power and allow myself to be as big as I need to mm-hmm. be? And I think that I think that um, oh, and right before that you said I'm afraid of things working out, and I don't know why. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've noted. This is upper limit. That points to upper limit too. Is that When we think about success, and many times, especially people who've been working in personal development for a while, they've been working on their stuff, they kind of get past the fear of failure a little bit. I mean, it still sucks, but they're like, I think we can, I think I'll be okay if I fail. Let me go try this thing. And then they get to a certain limit and they're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that success over there, like what you described being all of those Mm -hmm. things, that success is what's scary. And really, at the end of the day, what we're truly afraid of is the failure from that. Because we make up a story that if we're way Mm -hmm. up here on this ladder, on the top ladder Mm -hmm. rung, the fall (laughs) from that kind of failure is greater than if it was if we just are a little bit successful. And the truth of it is, it's not. It's all sucky, it all hurts. (laughs) And the real power is in your self-trust and self-confidence that you can rise back the fuck <laughs> up if you fall from that top rung. and you can, like no one dies <laughs> from feeling ashamed around failure. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's- Is it excruciating? Yeah. But I mean, like there's that quote from Pema Chodron that I wrote in my yeah. book So this quote by Pema Trojan, she said, only to the extent that we expose ourselves over and over to annihilation can that which is indestructible be found in us. I'm gonna read that again. Only to the extent that we expose ourselves over and over to annihilation can that which is indestructible be found in us. And I'm a little bit older than you, Miss Rachel, and at my ripe age of 44 years, I know that to be true without a doubt.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, you just... I I think, I think letting go, not being afraid that facing that annihilation, facing that annihilation is not going to kill me or push me out of the pack or ruin my reputation or exclude, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And realizing that and focusing on what the benefit will be if I'm able to, to just go through that. Yeah. That
1: what you said is also really key is that the, benef- the benefit of that. So what do you think the benefits are?
0: I think the benefits of it are she, that little that vibration will gain more, a stronger foothold and
1: mm-hmm. be able
0: to continue to come out more. I feel like she just gave us the side
1: eye when you said little vibration <laughs> because
0: I don't think she's little. <laughs> That's true. She's like, listen, I've spoken. Okay. I was little and now she's you're like, letting me out. Girl, you haven't seen nothing. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, <Yeah>. stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that powerful roaring wave. It's it's actually true. Sometimes I think of yes. her as a wave, but but a wave that like sort of as if there's these rocks and kind of like the breakers, you know, like the the mm-hmm. the rocks that sort of jet out and they block the water to a point and then it just continues to roll over them and roll over them. And it's sort of or it's like a dam that no matter what it's going to break and just continuously keep going and pushing up against it. So I think maybe that's why I'm so there's that connection to water that I feel connected Mm -hmm. to her with. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we're 75% water as human beings. And I also think I just want to throw this in for fun is that, I mean, I love the moon cycles and I don't think that it's any coincidence that moon cycles are 28 Mm -hmm. days and women's typical cycles are around 28 days Mm -hmm. as well. And I think if the moon has the power to move the tides, like move
0: the oceans
1: (laughs) as vast as they are, They are really powerful. So you might want to really consider amping up your rituals that you do around, you know, this biggest self that you're going Mm -hmm. to name around the full moon or the Mm -hmm. new moon. And you can go on Pinterest or just do a quick Google search on some fun exercises. Mm -hmm. And they can be really simple. So I did one. I had a workshop retreat here at my house recently, and it was a full moon. So I had people just list what they want to let go Mm -hmm. of. You know, what is it that you want to let go of? What are you declaring to the universe that you are actively working on walking away from? What are you trying to call in? But in order to do so, you need to walk away from. Mm -hmm. So full moons can be great for releasing. New moons can be great for calling in. Like what do you want to call forth in your life? So there's a new moon coming up Mm -hmm. in just a couple of weeks here. So that might be a great time for you to, and you can do it with your best friend. You can do it by yourself and just, um, calling forth that part of you. And one of the other things, I want to say a couple other things before before we jump off, is that I don't want people, you or anyone listening, to expect annihilation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the point, is <laughs> that... Because that could happen too. You're like, oh, he's waiting. Here comes massive failure. It's not that, but it's it's just knowing that if it happens, then that is going to actually make you even stronger. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that when we're talking about benefits, and you were listing some of the benefits of it, I invite you to think even bigger than you are thinking. And the benefits are, is that when you're an 87-year-old lady, mm-hmm. you're going to look back at this time when you were a youngin <laughs> and think, oh my God, like what? I, I did it. I did the thing that I wanted to do. Like, what do you want to be proud of when you're an 87-year-old person? Like, what do you want to look back at 2019 and be proud of, or even this decade that you're in that you did? And mm-hmm. I also think that one of the things that because I have a very similar, believe it or not, I'm in a similar situation mm-hmm. as you, just upper limiting all over yeah. the place and have been actively working on it because I see it too. And and by the way, everybody and you too, mm-hmm. Rachel, like this is going to keep happening to your life. You're going to reach a certain point it. and you're going to hit like, it again. You're going <laughs> you to
0: just be like, okay, yeah, upper limit. She's named. I got the moon. I got the wave. I'm good. <laughs> <we're> good. Okay. <laughs> we're good.
1: Open the doors and you're good forever. <laughs> yeah. No. The good news is, is that you'll recognize it a lot faster the next time it happens and you'll have the tools to move faster, faster, a little more quickly. So I can assure you of mm-hmm. that. But the thing too, that I'm really leaning into is that it's no secret of that things are happening culturally mm-hmm. and um, socially here and politically in, in the U S and the, and the world. And I think about my mother's 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 Mm. mother who never had the opportunities that we have Mm. now, especially Generation X and elder millennials. Like, we are... Really, truly the first generation to be able to have these opportunities that we do now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have these sort of talisman type of things in my office and I invite people to do the same. I have my great grandmother's rosary. Mm-hmm. I have um, a picture of my, my other grandmother and just these women who probably faced
0: hardships that we can't even imagine.
1: <laughs> we can't even imagine
0: just, just to survive. So my dad's side is Lebanese and my great grandmother came here by herself with my grandfather immigrated. She wasn't allowed to as technically as a, as a woman, as a single woman, it was looked down upon. And so she found somebody in the crowd and pointed ahead and said, that's my husband over there. And they were, they came over and she alone came here with him. (laughs) And it's just that ferocity. And I think like, god damn like she just to to travel like that it's it's insane and I yeah and I think like you know she came here they didn't speak any English they didn't none of it and they learned and that's it and if that if she had never taken that huge risk traveling from Lebanon with my grandfather I wouldn't even be here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's it's just yeah And, and tuning into that and and really honoring it going back to that story, I think. And I I should, now that you say that, I kind of think like maybe I should get a picture of her or something and hang it up and think just that courage. Yeah. Yes to all
1: of that. Yes to all (laughs) of that. And I, I often think like there's that one grandmother that you know of and you know her story and there's hundreds and thousands more that we don't even know about. And so for some people, it can be helpful to tap into that energy of what they would want for us and 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 just that's one of the benefits yeah. is your legacy <laughs> is your legacy yeah. and your lineage behind you i mean they are cheering for you they truly are all of the mothers that came before you are cheering mm. for you all of the women who came before you Who Mm -hmm. didn't have jack shit, and now we have all these opportunities. And it's not to not to say that it's not scary, but it's just another tool for you to have in your toolbox to tap into that. And what would, how can you incorporate that into your practice, into your spiritual Mm. practice? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just I. I know that you were made for more. I know that you can do this. You yes. are so incredibly self-aware and are have gotten to know yourself so much. I've watched you over the last, my gosh, like five or six years. Yeah, start from the beginning, and and mm-hmm. really just commit to your own personal development. And that's mm-hmm. really what it takes. It's not about just like learning the thing and walking away from it. And you, <laughs> I wish it was. I know, me too.
0: But then I wouldn't have a job. So. <laughs> and we're
1: done. Good job. <laughs> no, I just, I think that you are an incredible human being. I know oh, that you have you. so much bigger vibrations inside of you that are trying to speak mm-hmm. to you. And it's about you slowing down to tap into that and being more aware of what your unwanted identities are so that you can see them. I always am like, I see you, unwanted identities. And just know that that it's just a part of your survival and that you'll you'll be okay if you go after the thing. And so I'm gonna kind of wrap it up. And can you tell us like what you're gonna do going forward, what your assignments are and what your key takeaways have been.
0: Sure. So I I'm definitely going to name the vibration, figure out what her name is and allowing that to be, you know, kind of reconnecting with who I am, putting my hands on my body where I feel that vibration and finding a way to connect with her making a list of my unwanted identities definitely something I'm going to do and thinking about you know where did these come from I'm a list of my ideal and unwanted identities and where does that come from Mm -hmm. recognizing when it's not just embarrassment Mm -hmm. but it's shame and allowing myself to sit in that shame and I feel it yeah, and, and kind of acknowledge like, okay, yeah, this is an embarrassment. This is actually shame. And here's why. And it sucks. And now look at that. I survived yeah. <laughs> and I'm able to, you know, to go through annihilation and not die, but kind of build up calluses on my feet. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So a lot to chew on. <laughs> a lot to chew on. I know. And the reason which Good. Really I just want to say one quick thing about the why I feel like it's important for people to understand when it's actually embarrassment and when it's actually shame. Is yeah, Shame yeah. is directly correlated to a lot of things that are not great. It's directly correlated to mm. addiction and high risk behaviors and depression and all of those things that can really just hinder our lives and be mm. kind of self-destructive in many ways. And so I say that because I want people to be able to recognize it because it is part of the bigger work I do so that you can practice resilience. So it's not about just Mm -hmm. sitting with it. It's about sitting with it and practicing resilience, which is Mm -hmm. self-compassion and reaching out to somebody who you trust, who you can share your story Mm -hmm. with, and they can support you Mm -hmm. how you need to be supported. Well, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to name my vibration.
1: (laughs) I am too. I'm like, woohoo, I get to go do that. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I got an update from Rachel about a week after we recorded that. And here's what she says. I'm especially feeling more connected to my inner vibration that drives my most authentic self and is responsible for my artistic abilities and passion. I've spent so much time trying to stop feeling negative feelings or stop having negative thoughts that I've neglected to allow myself to connect to her. And I honestly didn't think to actively try and do so until we talked i'm still trying to name her right now she's just an energy texture that often takes the form of a wave crashing against the breakers as i mentioned but lately she's been gaining strength as i watch more independent films by female filmmakers or write or sculpt or paint She becomes stronger and more powerful than my unwanted identities. It's also been helpful to name my unwanted identities. I started to realize, though, that all of them are just ideas that I can choose to allow to exist externally. They don't have to be inside of me. They're all out there or part of this mass of outside of me stuff. I don't have to let them in, and I can't control whether or not people see me as one of my unwanted identities. True story, girl. But because I'm letting them exist in the outside of me space, it doesn't matter if people think of me that way. It's helpful that the stronger the wave gets inside of me, the less room there is for those unwanted identities to be in there. She doesn't move the boulders, but she also doesn't give a shit if they're there. She just crashes around those fuckers, breaks, and goes right back on being strong as fuck wave. But even when she isn't crashing, she's there, still moving, just being like, yo, what's up? I'm still here. My connection to that part of myself has made so many things possible. It reminds me that I'm worthy and that no matter what is going on outside of me, she's there. She ain't going nowhere. She's just the fabric of who I am. She pounds through my veins, and I think that's pretty fucking cool. There are definitely times when it's harder to see her or feel her, but the more I take time to just chill with her every day, the more I remember that she's always there. It's so comforting and freeing. So anyway, that exercise has been really helpful. And then Rachel gives a list. She mentioned a few of them on our call together, but she gives a list of her unwanted identities. So see if you can relate to any of these. Maybe the language might change a little bit given what you do for a living, but here they are. She says, talentless, a hack, unoriginal, inconsistent, not as good as she thinks she is, just like everyone else in the city who's trying to make it as an artist, a nobody, an amateur, Too much, too deep, too sensitive, too funny, not funny enough, too serious, too passionate, too young, too old, not feminine enough, too feminine, too powerful, not powerful enough, too anxious, stupid, not very bright, a weirdo. The too young and more successful part is in regard to my older siblings, which feels uncomfortable. I clung to my identity as the youngest sibling of seven for a while, and I have some difficulty knowing that I've taken risks that they haven't taken. There's some tribal shame in there in this one, I think. As I type these, I still feel them. They still burn, some way more than others, but I'm finally able to gently pull them away, peel up their little suction cups, and toss them out. Let that wave have a little more room. So that's where I'm at. It feels really good and kind of scary, but mostly really good and soothing, comforting. If I think of any other updates, I'll let you know. Also, thank you for taking so much time to coach me and follow up. It's been invaluable. I appreciate you. Rachel, you're welcome. I hope that this has been helpful for everyone. I felt like this was a topic that many of you could relate to. And I just love how... She took the time to really tap into her inner wisdom, and I hope that so many of you can do the same and really see yourself in what Rachel's going through. If any of you are interested in working with me privately, you can head over to yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. Or if you just want to get on with the application, you can go to your slash apply. That's where the application is. And we will get you set up with what might be right for you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for staying with us in this episode. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.